Hi, it's uh, Tuesday morning, <coughs> early Tuesday morning, and uh, I want to do the Haftar today, right now. This podcast is being um, sponsored by uh, the Freeman family, by Tzvi uh, Freeman, that's Howie, as he tells me to call himself. Uh, but th- the point is, it's in uh, in memory and tribute to his grandmother, who I remember well, everybody in Baltimore, done Mrs. Freeman, Mrs. Leah Freeman, who passed away recently. I didn't realize she was like in the 90s, she had to be. Uh, from the old Jacks, this is, if you're old Baltimore, there are two Jacks, and they're, they're two sisters, actually. One morphed into uh, the Salmon Market, that's one thing. And the other one was the fish store on Rogers Avenue, if you have a, if you have a memory of that. Rogers Avenue, which once upon a time was a Jewish neighborhood. And Libras was, there was a whole, a whole uh, area. And they were very beloved, uh, uh, of, uh, very popular store back in the day. These are people, this is Mrs. So he's doing in memory of his grandmother who passed away recently. Um, she was in the Holocaust. Um, in fact, she's from the part of the world we would call Hungarian Jewry, which means the borders are changing all the time. And my mother's a, l- a little bit like that. Um, so they would be born in Putka, Putka Rus, in other words, in uh, what was Czechoslovakia at the time. But it used to be Hungary, and later on, Hungary took it back, and it was near Romania, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line is Hitler came in in 44. From family and uh, killed everybody. She had, I think, 15 uh, siblings or something like that. And uh, most of them were killed, which is the story of my family. You know, that's what happened if you were in that part of the world. You know, the few survivors here, in this case, she uh, somehow or other survived the Holocaust and then stayed from and married a guy from her neighborhood. And they came eventually, you know, like everybody else came to this country and they were from the group we used to call Sheriff's Plata. Um, now, that's a, funny how that term is used. I mean, my parents also came after the war. But eh, usually Sheriff's Plata referred to the Hungarian Jews of one kind or another who in Baltimore got together. I'm talking about the from ones. Plenty of people came over it and they, I don't blame them, I understand it, but, you know, they lost their from kind. Some, many came over and were, I would say, moderately from, which is fine. And some came over, which are from from, and that was uh, Mrs. Friedman and her husband, and that old group that they made Stirring Hills, show, and eventually they made uh, the Sheriff's Apaita School, which I remember very well from my youth. It has morphed. It was originally a Hasidic place, Ungarish, a Hasidim, near the old TA, and then over the course of time, this is just Baltimore history, it was taken over by the Litvaks, so today, the TI is a very different place. But it's descended from that. So this is one of the old uh, families of from Baltimore that helped make Baltimore very from. So pay tribute to her. Remember, there's a whole group like a Margaret and this one. You know, uh, they, they, they uh, I would say, move things a little bit to the right, as we would say today. Um, I mean, you know, after the war, not many people covered their hair. You know, it, was a, it was a different time. Right? So they were very from. Uh, and if I were in a rabbinical m- mode, mood, let me put it this way. There are no coincidences. It's really funny because as I said before, this is a family, unlike many, who stayed from. Stayed from the same way that they were in the old country. This is unusual, I just said. You know, back in those years, you know the story. You, ha- you uh, had to start a store on your own because you couldn't work for anybody because they always insisted you work for Sha- on Shabbos. So the only way you could beat that is make your own business, you know. So anyhow, the point is that um, today's Haftar is really funny in that regard. 
because Emor, you know, is all about the Kohanim. And, you know, I'm always complaining about the Haftarah in the sense that you get fragments. It's just a ripped out of its context. You have a couple of psukim. Because within the psukim, you see some kind of mention of themes from the parsha. So in Emor, at the beginning it says a Kohen can't marry this, a Kohen can't marry that. And that's what you have in today's parsha, uh, in today's Haftarah, where he says a Kohen, um, what do you call it? Has to marry uh, such and such. Actually, Almana Grushalo Yikulo Menoshin, Kim Basilis from Basis Throw, Almana Sharti, and Almana Mikan Yikoho, Yayin Lonisha Kol Konin. The rules of the priesthood. And since in the Parsha, Emor, they talk about who a coin can marry, can't marry. So we have a parallel passage in Tis of Torah, which is really a few besikim, but it's ripped out of the real context. Moreover, it's extremely controversial, if you know this or not, I must have mentioned it last year. The passage that you have in today's Haftorah almost got the book burned or banned. Big Shuligno is a Sefer Yecheskel, Umar says. The, uh, the uh, halachas that you find, particularly in our Parsha, and in the 40s in general, in Yecheskel from 40 to 50, you know, the later things we talked about the future temple, is very complex and seems to contradict other places. And here you have a direct contradiction from the Chumash. Because I think you know, a Kohen can marry an Almona. He can't marry a Grusha, that we all know. Everybody knows that. A Kohen can't marry a divorcee. And a Kohen Gadol has to marry uh, a Basula, but not an Almona. But a regular Kohen can marry an Almona. That better be true. My mother was an Almona, <laughs> you know. A Kohen can marry an Almona. Uh, not according to Ezekiel and this week's Parsha. In Pesachafes, Almona Grusha Logical Menoshem. They can't marry Almona Grusha, a widow or a divorcee. Kim Basulos Mizer Beis Yisrael has to be a Basula. But Almona Sherti Almona Mikohen Yikachol. Or you can marry the Almona of another Kohen. Where'd you get that from? Get it? This caused a lot of trouble in the Gemara and elsewhere. And there are ways of being Yashavit. And it says, Big Chuligna is the Savior Cheskel. They want to get rid of the book of Ezekiel. There are five or six books that we know that when they edited the Bible, because the Bible is an edited document, the Chumash comes from Hashem directly, but the Nach doesn't. And so there was a guy named Yoshua ben who wrote a book. And there was another guy named Shmuel, and another guy named whatever, you know, uh, what do they say? It's all in the end of the first pack of uh, Babasra. Yeah, you know this. Uh, Yirmiyahu wrote his book, Yirmiyahu also wrote Echo, Yirmiyahu also wrote Book of Malachim, you know? So in other words, these are books that didn't exist and then were written. And it wasn't that God was telling to write each word. So, um, they, they wrote the words under divine inspiration. The point is that their writings were eventually compiled into the form that you and I have it today, but Anches and Gedola. And maybe a little later also. So in other words, time of Ezra and Nehemiah and those sorts of things, they took all these writings, which were in scrolls, because you're talking thousands of years ago, and they decided this goes in, this goes out, this we keep, this we don't keep. After all, there were, we're told in the Gemara anyway, thousands of Nevi'im, Keflam, Kiyot, Mitzrayim, thousands of Nevi'im. But we only have mention of a small handful and the writings of Mamash, a small handful. As you know, you have Yishar, Yim, Yechezkel, and Treyosar. You see? So, 
in the time of the Anshayin more or less, because there are indications that this lasted past them as well, uh, an editing process went by in which they created the Torah Shavik I'm referring to the Nach. The, not the Tanach, the t- tough part goes through, that's Moshe Rabbeinu and Hashem, you know, back in the Chumash times. So there Hashem told me, you know, wrote everything down. But I'm talking about the Nach part. And Yechazka is part of that. So we know, because they tell you in the Gemara in different places, that there was some kind of an editing process in which some books were left in and some books were kicked out. And the reasons are interesting. Um, you know, for example, right off the top of my head, that uh, they didn't want it to put in Miguel Sester. Esther forced them uh, for cause of anti-Semitism and stuff. And maybe other reasons. So that's a book that was controversial that got in. My point is, the books that are controversial and didn't, didn't get in, we don't know about because that's what they wanted, to, to completely eliminate them from people's consciousness. They succeeded. There could have been the book of Freddy, for all I know, you know. But they, we don't have it. Another, say for Shira Shirim and Koelis, there's discussions whether it's Metamacy or Diamond Not. In other words, is that part of the biblical canon or not? Um, in the end, we know you know, after various discussions, that they decided in the end to put in Shirashim and Koelis. It's a whole story by itself. Uh, Eov. We know the Bikshu Ligno say for Eov. These are Chazals, I'm saying, not me. So one of them is Yecheskel. So you'll tell me, like, what's the problem with Yecheskel? He's a Nabi, and he's giving Musa. What's, what's the big deal? And one of the parts is that when he talks about stuff about future base of Migdash, where does it come from? And second of all, He's got all kinds of descriptions about Kohanim and stuff like that that don't jive with what you find in the Chumash. For example, in this week's Parsha, when they say a coin head, you're just not allowed to marry an Almona, an Almona's Yisroel, or an Almona's Levi. You can only marry Almona's coin. Where you get that from? It's not in the Chumash. Today's Parsha number, it's not there. Where you get that from? Sounds like something fearedic. Now, mind you, they knew Dechesko is from God. He was a Novi after all. They were afraid it would be misunderstood. So, um, you see, there's an entire class of writings that were buried, were, were, were done away with, not because they thought they're trafe, but because they would be misinterpreted. Let's face it, that was the problem with Shirashim, for example. They knew Shlomo was a from guy, right? They knew Shlomo was a from guy. And they understood that Shirashim is not like some X-rated novel, but it's a, it's a mashal. But they're afraid. So in other words, there was no question about the content. The question was, how will people read it? How will they interpret it? And if somebody will misinterpret something, that's also a reason to get rid of it, even though in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. So same thing over here. And it says that the Hanani, uh, and Gurin, somebody came along and he locked himself in a room and wrote a, a peerish, which was miyash of everything, which we'll do a little bit of it this, in, in a minute, to try to explain in such a way that the things in Yecheskel that seem to contradict the Chumash don't. Okay? Uh, you find it in the Gemara. I'm looking over here in my rusty, trusty Yecheskel, uh, you know, with the art school, with the Nakudos, the new and the Mikras Gedolas. And they have at the bottom, Likuti Shas Midrashe Tanayim. So anybody's interested, if you're interested in what I'm talking about, I would recommend you to take a look uh, in this uh, Yecheskel, you know, the Hebrew, the, the Mikras Gedolas one. In the, and, and see the uh, the Chazals on Pesach base, you know, 
Bas Ger Zachar, Bas Cholo, and so on and so forth, and from Gemar Kedushin, Ayin Ches, and so forth. Right? Yushalmi, Bikorim. Now, um, let me explain the context of this. And the heart, and like why I say it's 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 a shame because it's ripped out of the context. Therefore, you, the listener, unless you study Tanakh, miss the main point of the Haftarah just when you hear in Shul. And let me explain why I think it's actually very tugapast for something that's in a podcast which is in memory of a Holocaust survivor who who remained from all the way through. Because that's exactly what the Prophet Yechesko is talking about. In what we call Parak Memdal, and I know the Prakim are not from the Jews, but nevertheless, it is a it is a unit of meaning, happens to be. So um Yecheskel's talking about taken by a by a, a an angel and looking at uh, you know the future temple and so on and so forth. Right? Um and one of the things that you find is that um Yecheskel is uh, complaining. Okay, him and the prophet over here, they're uh, complaining about the bad state of things in the uh, base of English. Okay, uh, base of English. So notice one of the things that happens is that he sees the base of English. He sees why it's going to be destroyed. You know, through this uh, sort of uh, prophetic trip, like a like a um, uh, virtual uh, trip, and uh, but then he sees what the future is going to be is going to be better. And one of the problems you have, right, with um, with, with with the basically the way it was, was you had a lousy people running it. Um, the high priesthood was prostituted, and the place was overrun with Goyim, and things were in a bad state. Okay, and but um, he says, "Sim uh, Take a look and check it out. And tell the rebellious Jews. Enough with all your disgusting things, you you Jewish people. And you have Goyim, um operating in the base of Migdash, uh, as he calls them, Arle Leve, Arle Bosar. Now, listen closely. They really, they had non Jews doing the Karbonas? Bakrif and Zlachmi, Chelebadam, by a fearless priest, he called over Sam? I mean, really? The Imam had Goyim? I want to tell you something. The archaeologists, for various reasons, will say, yes, they did. Because this was actually not uncommon in Middle Eastern uh, religions, and things that hit pretty bad among the Klal Yisrael, because he goes on to say, "In, in the future, it won't be like that." Rashi and the Chazal are like too shocked by this, and therefore, when he says "Arli Leiv," "Arli Bosser," "Bnei Nechar." The, the 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 approach is um non from Jews. So they're they're they are Jewish, they are Kohanim, but they're uh anti from Shenisnak grew out at my same Lavim Shabashamaim Zemashumid. 
right? And early Bosar, Kohen Shemesi Yachov Machmas Milo. So the uh, rabbinical approach is to say they're defective Jews. Now, that's bad also uh, to get somebody who's an idol worshiper and he should, a, a Kohen, mind you, uh, or a Machal Shabbos, as we would say, that or stuff like that, and he should do the carbonus. That, that's a bad state of affairs, <clears throat> right? Um, and, but still, it sounds Pasha that he's talking about people not even Jewish. Because he says, I don't want none of this junk anymore. Okay? So, uh, they have, I mean, let me be exact. We're talking about uncircumcised Kohanim. Uh, that's pretty bad. And Arle Lev means, you know what Arle Lev means? They're unrepentant. So they're idol worshippers and sinners, and they're not interested in doing chuba. That's what early leave means. Okay? In fact, it, it kind of implies, what's the expression? You can't eat, they're beyond kiruf. You understand those? They're hooked, set in their ways. Now, he goes on to say, I don't want none of this in the, in the base mix in the future. Kim halavim and pasig yud. I'm not looking for these levies. They went off the derech. They went away from me. When Klai Yisrael fell for the fad of doing idols. So in the time of Yecheskel, this is what we call late first temple. This is why the base of was destroyed, of course, by his region. As they say, I repeat, So things are pretty bad over there. So I went only from people. Okay? And notice the expression. I'm talking about the people that went off the derech when a wave of irreligion hit the Jewish people. Okay? Uh, when a wave of, of non-religion hit the Jewish people. Like what we would call today the modern era in Jewish history. That's um, it's exactly the same thing that bisos uh, Yisrael, the word toe tough iron vote tough iron a really toe um, going off the derech and and he says yanesh so this is all the prep to our parsha get it to our haftorah they worshipped idols mechshel avon beloik shalay a coin. And I'm one of these not none of these lousy kohanim, lachain leave lagesh al kachi, but also clean Muslim to other. Because when they go in, they're bringing in their clean of their. It's a disgrace that somebody like that should be operating based on English. Okay. And he says, by the way, in the future, the descendants of those kohanim who have a black mark in the family will be given a, a position in the future temple, but not to do the karbonas. They'll do shmira work. <laughs> like you say today, you know, there'll be the security committee or something like that. No, the, seriously, there's a, a mishmeris uh, din in in the base of Megiddo stand at 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 dutiful attention. It's one of the six and thirteen misses, but they won't they won't be allowed to do the the real avoda. So who will? Oh, so that's our parsha starts our haftorah today. That's our haftorah. So there was one family based Sadok. Asher Shamras, Mishmeres Migoshi, Besos Bnei Yisrael Meolai, Hey Me Kabbalah Sharsini. So it was one family called Bnei Sadok, 
um, in Bayes' recent period. And they were the ones who stayed from when everybody else was not from. It's amazing. Just like just like the Nifteris that we're talking about today in the uh, in the, the Mrs. Freeman. Here it is. They kept up the Mishmeris Migdash. Those they stayed from when everybody else went off the derech. When we build the base of Migdash and, and get it right, the, the third temple, then they will be the ones Who'll do the Avodah? They'll do the Carbonus. The guys whose whose ancestors went off the derech, they won't be able to do so because it's like a black mark on the family. They are Kohanim. Those we're talking about people who now obviously are from. Otherwise, there's nothing to talk about. But their family had, had a bad record. These guys who stayed from all the way through during the hardcore. During the difficult times when everybody else went off the derech, hey, they can get to, 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 to operate the base of Migdash. So, this family he's talking about, not most Kohanim, but the Kohanim Alvin Benet Sadok, one group of a clan, as we would say today, that somehow or other they had the intestinal fortitude to stay. On the derech, when everybody else went off the derech, I repeat, when everybody else went off the derech, so they were able to swim against the stream and fight against the fashion to be idol worshippers and all this other business, Arle Lev, Arle Bosser, B'nai Nechar, and this group did not, so now they get their reward. Now, I'll tell you my interpretation of the um, troublesome passage, and I see, I'm happy to say, that the, the Malbim says it, at least as I understand it. So the rest of the Haftar is talking about this family and how they're operating. They go into, he goes into great detail. The kind of clothes they'll wear, Pari Pishtim, and what they wear inside and outside, and Baroshalmi Galecho, all the rules that we find in the Parshish Emor in such places, V.I. and Logish to come and they can't get drunk, and so on and so forth. Okay? Now, this was a family that um, stayed from in order to do that, they had to be first of all tough, and second of all, they adopted humrus. Let's call it that way. Okay, that's how they conducted themselves, and because they were able to operate and conduct themselves according to these humrus, they were able to withstand the pressures, and that's why they stayed from all the way through. Now, that being the case. So it says, They didn't even marry Almonas. In other words, this family, this group, B'nai Tzadok, even though, according to the Chumash, they're allowed to, but Yecheskel is telling you, that in the future, they're going to keep Chumras. And one of the Chumras, not many, one of the Chumras, which is a very interesting one, which is they're not going to marry Almona. So you get what I'm saying? It's not contradicting the Chumash. Halachically, they could do it. But the Kohanim B'nai Tzadok have a Hanhoga by themselves not to do it. Kim Basul's Mizer Beis Yisrael, only girls never married before. Well, Mona Mikon Yikachu, or she's married to a Kohanim beforehand. The Mashmos of this, as I understand it, is that everybody out there was not from. That's exactly what makes this family special. This makes this clan special for generations. So they had to, somehow or other, 
uh, how, how should I put this? Uh, I'll try to explain in modern terms. Again, it, it reminds me of the Nifteris. Suppose you came here after the war, a guy. I'm just making this up. Uh, from the Holocaust. You know, a survivor. And let's say the guy wanted to be Shomer Shabbos. Well, it depends who you marry. You can marry some girl who's Yiddish speaking all the rest. She ain't got no time for Shabbos. I knew many cases like that. And maybe some of the listeners do also. And you might say, well, then what would you marry somebody you for? That's a, a question you can't ask. Things were what they were at the time, after the war. People were trying to rebuild their lives. person wanted to get married to another Jewish girl, which is the right thing to do. This is who he met. This they fell for each other. Whatever the case is. It's not easy to find somebody that is as determined as you were. And even if they did, maybe she was just wants to keep Shabbos like a little bit, you know. And, you know, don't want to cover the hair and don't want to do this and this, yes, and this, no. Now, I'm putting it in the man, the boy and the girl. It could go the other way around also, right? Could, and, and it happened a lot, a lot, that a girl survived a war and then she wanted to get married to a Jewish guy, Yiddish-speaking Jewish guy like herself, and she ended up with a guy. I mean, I mean, I know cases like this. And they came to America and the guy said, yes, listen, we have a grocery store. We got to run on Saturday. You know, we got to do it. And so we got to do it and to make a living. And whether she agreed or not, but that's what they did. I'm telling you, I know. Uh, I'm not saying who, but I know cases like this. Uh, so my point is like this. It's very hard for a person to keep up the, the, the firm standards if you're not married to somebody who feels the same way you do. In the biblical times, the Yichasel talking about the Kohan ben Eitzalik, which was the Frumis, they had an hogov that they're not going to marry somebody who had been almana by someone else, you know. Because since that was a generation, generations, where the standards on Gile Arais were too low, and the standards of, of, of Avodazar were too low, and the standards of uh, of other things were too low, they don't want to deal with it. They're very strict about who they married. And notice, of course not a Grusha, that's in the Torah, but they wouldn't even marry Almona for someone else, unless it was a fellow coin, and I can guarantee you they mean a fellow coin from their family. No, it's a from coin. So it's not the Vart that she's an Almona, it's what bad customs and meters that you pick up from your former husband. And a time where it's described in the beginning of the Torah as when all the Jewish people went off the derech, they, they strayed from me, saith the Lord. Um, at that time, uh, you had to be very careful who you married. And so they themselves, you know, adopted these stringencies it reminds you a little bit, I mean, it just comes to mind, like the Syrians have a thing, no, that a man in Gerim, even though it's not a din, you know, they took one for them for their for their own reasons, their community, you know, deal and all that, that this is on a hugger they're, they're going to do. Uh, you know, they had good and sound reasons they fell for it. Right? Now, I'm happy to see, I, I highlighted from some other year, that... Um, this seems to be what the Malbim is saying. Because he says, mm-hmm. um, 
which means they, they took on themselves the Chumras of a Kohen Gadol. Okay? Um, now, the Malbim says it in a funny way. He says, if it was, they wanted to imitate the Kohen Gadol in some regards, but not others. I don't see it that way. I think, especially knowing what we do from today, from, from the, like I say, the generation of Mr. Friedman, and the generation of my family and my parents, you know, um, what life was like, it wasn't so many people that said they're going to stay from. And therefore, the question of who you marry is like of, of crucial importance. And it wasn't so common, you know, in the Freeman family, he was from, she was from. It wasn't so common. I know so many cases where, let me put it this way, the matrimonial reality was more complex. Let's put it that way. And uh, it's therefore, it's very striking that what seems to be a boring Haftorah, because I guarantee you, most people look at the Haftorah and they read through it quickly and it's very boring because they don't know the context. It's actually a very fascinating Haftorah, okay? And that this group is rewarded with having the Zechus to be the Kohanim and operate the place in the third temple, you know, in, in, in the good times, okay? And all the instructions that we have in, in our uh, uh, Haftorah today, even down to the end of Kol Nevelo, is applying to the from ones, you see? Um... And, you know, there, there are ways, Rashi doesn't do it this way. Rashi does it in the Talmudic fashion, which you find, you know, generalized statements and then you restrict your application to extremely narrow uh, circumstances. But to me, especially, like I say, here in the year 2022, especially thinking about, you know, survivors, those who were from, though, not from, and so on and so forth, I'm not blaming anybody because what went through Hitler was crazy, you know, anybody wants to be, stay Jewish at all after Hitler, you got to give him a credit, but it is what it is, the, uh, the the times were hard, the circumstances were difficult, there were periods like this in the time of the Bible, because he talks about Bisos B'nai Yisrael Arle Lev, Arle Bosar, B'nai Nechor, you have all these expressions of people who as a generational thing went off the derech, this is why they say the Yitzhar Vodazar was so powerful, that eventually they had to pray to get rid of it. Not long after this prophecy. Okay? Not too long after this prophecy. Because they said, you know, the, the, the tidal wave of fear of Odizar was so powerful, it's very hard for the regular person to go against it. So you really have to, you know, give credit to the ones who do so. So from now on, if you understood what I said today, whenever you hear Kohan and Benet Sadok, that's like a, many people mistake that with the Sadukim, it's got nothing to do with that. Kohan ben Tzadik is actually a, a biblical trope, a certain model of the type of person who stays from when everybody else does not. Okay, and people like that are not so uh, not so common. So uh, if you take a look at, I would suggest, therefore, if you take a look at the parsha um, Tomat Torah through this lens, I think it'll be quite fascinating. And uh, with that, I wish you a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support dot rabbi david katz dot com
Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history.